Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, April 27th, 2023. I'm Michael Agello from a very nervous Toronto. I'm Kevin Allen. I am Eklund from a rather placid Pennsylvania. <clears throat> and you're watching the Hockey Buzz Cast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday. We'll put you in on the comings and the goings in the hockey world. And uh, wow. So, um, Mike, we got to start. You know, you're up there in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, you're still eating, but no, no, I'm not. Well, I'm done. Yeah, the um, what is the vibe around the city? Like, you know, this is, I would I would think it would be pretty excited. Oh, it's excited, but I it okay, it's nervous. I mean, like, okay, I I took the 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 go train up from Burlington. I was you know went to get coffee at Tim Hortons. Did the whole the Canadian the Canadian trail. Yeah, and um. Uh, you know, people saw me wearing my my uh, my badge, you know, my my leaf uh, credential or you know PHW, you know, and I started talking with a few people, and they're, you know, they said, well, we're we're hopeful we're hopeful that the that the Leafs win, but we're nervous about it. Yeah, and really, that's the you know talking to people in the building, talking to people around town. I've got everybody, but I got the feeling of you know of nervousness and that's like okay you know i mean i and i get that and well of course yeah i mean th- yeah. i mean thankfully thankfully the players seem to be seem to have the right message and said all the right things um trying you know sheldon keith talked about blocking out like the noise around the city but you know how tough is that ryan o'reilly talked about you know the same thing but then he talked he talked to his dad and you know his dad is a big Leaf fan, and uh, you know so he, you know there's no avoiding it. <laughs> you know Mark Giordano is from Toronto. His family is from Toronto. He hears, you know, so you you can block it out a little bit, but you can't block it block all of it out. And that's the thing. It's like there is a nervous anticipation of them ending, you know, 19 years of playoff playoff and seasonal futility, but. I think that they're along the same lines as I sort of have expressed on the show. They'll believe it when they see it, but until they don't, until they see it, they won't believe it. It's interesting, um, Kevin. Like you know, and I, I get that. Like obviously, you know, it's been a long time. I mean, it, it, when you think about you know your, if everybody out there thinks about their play, their their team, and you know, when you have actually gone to the playoffs, it's one thing. It's exciting when you go to the playoffs. It's another thing when you win a playoff round. That's mm-hmm. a whole other thing because now, wow, wait a second, we're one of the final eight, you know. Um, but um, Kevin, it is interesting that like that city is unique in some ways. Perhaps maybe like only Montreal or I guess some of the Western Canadian cities can have that, where the players have come back there to kind of fix this in some ways, like not fix it, but you know what I mean. Like there's guys who are there because they want to make the, they want to change this. Yeah, I mean, you know, John Tavares, I was signed there because he wanted to, you know, he grew up. Yeah, um, you know, rooting for the Maple Leafs, and you know, and uh, you know, there's an understanding of the whole um, Toronto Maple Leafs aura. Like, uh, you know, I get why they would be nervous about that. Yeah. You know, my read on it's completely different. Talking to people around the league, the story for them is is that the the Lightning have not looked like the Lightning in any of the games, right. and by that, what it means is. You know the the inability to sustain a level of play. Yeah. And um, you know some of it is injury, um, but most of it is simply the erosion over time of their depth. And you know this is not the team that the Maple Leafs I think are going to beat here is not the Lightning team that we saw get to the finals in three years. I mean, you know we started to see that this season. And I you know I'd said before, and I've been saying on radio. Is almost when at the trade deadline they you know they went for the hail mary uh, pass um, you know they decided to change their strategy. I actually I think it was Mike that sort of identified it where you know they were going to go out and try to handle the Maple Leafs because they yeah. really they knew. Lost Kevin for a second there. Yeah, no. What are you, what are you saying? And I'm, I'll, yeah. I'll, you know they they went and they made the the five draft pick and Cal foot trade for Tanner Janot because because Janot was making less than a million bucks. And that was sort of, that was sort of a Hail Mary move. And you know, what Kevin was referring to is their bottom six was, you know, highly intimidated, Uh, you know, with Belmar and Maroon and, and, uh, and Perry and, 
Yeah, so you know they were going to go down that road because yeah. I think that they thought that that was going to be successful. And to a point, to a point, Kevin, the, the, their you know their ability to sort of try to get underneath the Leafs' skin has worked in the sense that they've drawn them in the penalties. They drew Michael Bunting into a three-game suspension, but the Leafs and and I have to say, like I, like I've said on previous shows. Kevin's right that they haven't been able to sustain 60 minutes, but in three of the four games, they have, if you take like from point A to point B, they have played more quality minutes and they have dominated at times, but they can't finish. And the Leafs have finished in game three and finished in game four. Now, the Toronto players, Kev, they are cognizant of that fact and they're basically saying the right thing. This is going to have to be to to close out this series. They're going to have to perform at their utmost because they realize that there have been gaps in their performances through four games. Yeah, I mean, the the big the problem is is the Maple Leafs' worse hasn't been as bad as the the Lightning's worst. Right, um, and yeah. you know it's hard to sustain um, you know quality play throughout a playoff series because the other team is doing everything they can to disrupt what you're trying to do. So All along those lines, the lightning best hasn't been like the lightning best, like, like no. when, when they are dominating. Well, that's the point I was starting to make before. I think the lightning realized that they don't have their best anymore. Like right. what, what they had before. And I think they, they sort of realized that early in the season and they were just trying to adjust. Mm-hmm. They were trying to figure out a better way to play because they still have a lot of quality players. I mean, that's why they're dangerous. Sure. Um, you know, so they, they have a bunch of guys, including a, a quality goalkeeper, who know what to do. There's just not enough of them anymore, and their depth is, um, you know, dissipated. Um, you know, they just couldn't afford to keep everybody. And, you know, last year, you know, losing Palat, uh, having to trade McDonough, um, you know, that was almost like a, a, a final straw. So, yeah. um, you know, this team just isn't the same team, and you know, what we're hoping here is is that this is a different Maple Leafs team to the point where, you know, they just go the extra uh, mile and get it done. Now, what I would say is, is I certainly understand the angst of the fans. I mean, we've talked about it before. I live in Detroit where, and I'm 67 years old and only seen one playoff win. Like, uh, the, the Maple Leaf fans, if they were in that regard, would be hitting, uh, committing Harry Carey, I think, uh, <laughs> if, if that was the case. I mean, well, it's 56 years that they haven't won a cup, so they can, yeah, it's a play, they can not winning a playoff game is wow. a little bit different. Uh, well, they won, they won one playoff game against Dallas, yes, I remember, yeah. So, but <laughs> you know, I mean, so as we certainly understand that, we certainly understand the angst, and at some point, which I think the you know, it just becomes so ridiculous that, you know, you just roll with it um, at this point. And I think that's what's happening in Detroit. But I do get it. I mean, they, you know, they want to see it. You know, they, they got to see it to believe it. That makes sense to me. So, um, you know, maybe, you know, this probably is it tonight. Well, the the interesting thing, Kev, and, you know, John Cooper is a wordsmith. He is very – he is probably the best coach in terms of – you know, crafting a message and dealing with the media in the league, or at least one of the best. And he, you know, he tried to put a a good spin on it and say, well, if we play like two percent better, you know, we can we can win these games. He's like he's happy with the way his team has performed. Now I I don't know how true that is, but that's what he's saying to the media. He says I'm I'm happy with the way the team has performed. We just have to play a little better to get past you know, what Toronto is doing. And and he, he even brought up, he says, well, you know, this is a different team than last year, you know, but we, we were down 2 nothing to the Rangers and two goals in game three and came back and, you know, all these instances over the last three years. And he's, but he said, this isn't the same team. We don't have Palat anymore. We don't have Ruta. We don't have McDonough. So, you know, he's, he's grounded in reality, but he's also trying to put a positive spin on it. And, you know, if there's any coach that can get his team sort of off the mat and, you know, back to Tampa for a game six, it's Cooper. But it, it, it's going to necessitate his players coming up big. And overall, and this is an interesting thing, If I, and I don't know the exact numbers, but the road teams are dominating these yeah. series. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's the same thing that happened a couple of years ago, but it, for sure. Um you know, it was at 60-some percent a couple of days ago. So, um, you know, 
that's, I think it was at 64.6. I remember writing if that seems right. And uh, we've had road wins subsequent to that. So, well, well I mean, okay. And, you know, Rangers, Rangers, Devils, Rangers won two in Newark, Devils won two at MSG. The series that we're going to talk about when that comes back, Florida and the, Florida and, and the, uh, and the Bruins, the, the Panthers are two and one at TD Garden, and, and Boston won both games in Florida. So, you know, uh, everything, you know, it's the Donald Sutherland line from JFK. Uh, you know, black is, or, or it's Kevin Costner line, black is white, white is black. It's like, it's. Yeah. Like, Although it's been like a, uh, Bob Duff did a, a piece where he looked this up, and really it's been going on like this for a while. Like mm -hmm. it's been 50 50. Like there's been. There's basically been no home ice advantage except in game sevens. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, and it has not been um, overwhelming even in game sevens. But there has been a slight advantage in game sevens. Otherwise, it really hasn't been. It's really, you know, almost like you're playing neutral site games. And I think that speaks to the parity and the way the game is played now. And you would think it would be more just so with the last lighting change, but um, it hasn't been the case. Well, I, I think it was Cooper that said that basically said, you know, what you don't realize that like in the playoffs, I mean, okay, this makes sense. It's a 32 team league, and then all of a sudden you cut from 32 to 16, and the gap between those 16 good teams is not very wide. So, and then they're, you know, like, so, you know, it's not, it's not like an impossibility for these teams to win on the road. It's like a, a good team, if they get good goaltending and play good defense, so sort of block out the, the fan response. And Cooper even said that, you know, sometimes the home response of the fans works against the home teams. I mean, it did, it did in Toronto in, in, in game one when Tampa scored that early goal, I think a minute, minute and a half into the first period. Scotiabank Arena deflated, and they booed the Leafs after a period. So it's like you know, it's like the sometimes the the anticipation, and that's one of the things that I think Toronto has to be concerned about tonight is the anticipation of success. If all of a sudden early on they don't have it, the the that nervous energy in terms of it being a positive can turn to a negative really quickly. Yeah, no, and uh, Cooper's right about the, you know, the difference. Like you know, I think. You know, it was trending in the right direction for the Maple Leafs. But, mm -hmm. you know, as I said, the final straws, I think, you know, when they lost Pallad, who's a terrific two-way player, and McDonough, who, you know, was very important to their defensive level of play. Mm -hmm. When they lost both the two, you know, I think that pushed Maple Leafs ahead of, of Tampa in terms of, um, you know, the ability to win and to uh, sustain an entire game. You know, the, you know, Toronto had a bunch of talented players too, but they were behind the um, uh, lightning in terms of, at least I thought so, in terms of uh, just an overall team game. Well, that's not true anymore. Like, uh, like I thought uh, Toronto should have been favored in this series just based on who they were, and, um, you know, that's proven to be accurate. Now, uh, as I always say, though, it's, it's never an absolute. Like, if you played this series 10 times over the next two months, Toronto wouldn't win them, win every one of them, but they'd certainly win the majority of them. Yeah, and and you have to say that uh, you know the additions that the Leafs made at the deadline, especially in the especially in this series, Luke Shen uh, providing physicality on the blue line. Ryan O'Reilly has been phenomenal, and we know he's a playoff performer. But even role guys like Noel Chari and Sam Lafferty and Jake McCabe, all the additions that they made at the deadline, and you know they added, whereas Tampa did not have the room to really add. The only thing that they did was the Geno deal. So they they sort of shot their wad on one big deal uh, because Geno was making less than a million bucks, and they could fit him under the cap. But you know, so so I mean. It was two different approaches, and I mean, we'll see. We'll see tonight if uh, Kyle Dubas uh, and what he did at the deadline can, you know, provide the Leafs uh, something that they haven't had in 19 years. Um, let's switch to the uh, to the games last night. I mentioned Bruins Panthers, and I, I think the Bruins, you know, obviously wanted to finish that series in five. You know, prevent themselves from having to go down to Florida again and have a tough. Panthers team wear on them, but every time, you know, the Panthers, you know, they scored three times. The Bruins came back each time to tie the game. 
Um, and then in overtime, Allmark makes a faux pas that leads to Matthew Kachuk's goal, and now it's going back to Florida for game six. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I, I've been impressed with Florida. I mean, there, and you know, it's really Matthew Kachuk leading this team. Like, yep. um, he has just been, uh, the rock on which, uh, you know, they are now seem to be built. Uh, he's the foundation player and he's carrying the flag and, um, you know, he's been noticeable every shift, uh, out there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I still think uh, Boston's going to win this series, but right. um, it's really been. Uh, I give uh, the Panthers a lot of credit; they've stuck with them. And I, you know, they weren't. We know the Bruins weren't going to go 16 and 0 to win this, so this isn't really all that surprising. Um, you know, this is a, a high caliber Panthers team that had to play pretty well just to get into the playoffs down mm-hmm. the stretch. Um, so. Um, you know, I, I, I think uh, to think that, uh, you know, it was going to be anything less than six games with the way that the Panthers play probably would have been unrealistic from the start. But, you know, the danger of going six is it could simply go to game seven. And once you get to seven, it's a coin flip. It could be anybody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, two, two observations on the on the Panthers side. I agree with you with Kachuk. He's the leader and, you know, he he, I mean, his he's he's scary on the ice. I mean, he when, when he does, you know, he can rile teams up. He, he's exceptional offensively, and he's very physical. What I have noticed is Barkov must be injured because he is not the Barkov that I've seen play over the last few years. Something's wrong. Something's off. He's just he's not a you know he's not been a the dominating player that a two way dominating player that he normally is and. You know, it's. I think it speaks a lot that they're going to Game Six with him, not not seeming to be on. Yeah, no, I, and I think that's a fair assessment. And he really has not been the same player since he went out with the illness. And uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it could be something physical, or is this just you know kind of what happens uh, when you know there's a new sheriff in town? Like right. you could check is is kind of leading this team now. He's almost usurped uh, uh, the power that Barkov had over being able to lift this team. I, I mean, it isn't purposeful. I mean, it's just kind of evolved that way. And so I, I wonder, or maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe he's, uh, um, you know, something's wrong with him. And, um, you know, but, you know, I think it's got to be hard to have a new guy come in and you're used to kind of doing things your way, and then suddenly everybody's looking at him to sort of uh, set the tone. Yeah, I mean, he he's never struck me as a very vocal leader. And, it, I mean, I always just – I associate that like, situation where you have a captain, like say Matt Sundin in Toronto, was not a very vocal guy. And what the Leafs did was they brought in guys who were vocal, like Gary Roberts and Shane Corson, as support around him. And, and you know, obviously Kachuk, when he comes in, he's going to be the guy who's – who's the vocal leader of that team. And you might be right. He's just taking sort of a step back. The other thing was Bobrovsky. You're not going to see Alex Lyon in the rest of this series the way Bobrovsky played in that yeah. game last yeah. night. He was fantastic. Yeah. Was ending, huh? How about that ending? It was just crazy. Um, well, and then making a save with one second left. That's ending. what I mean. The end, the end of one second left ending. That's what I'm talking about. Like, just yeah. like – I mean, it was fortunate, you know, Bobrovsky is interesting with Bobrovsky is the way to beat him, having watched him for the Flyers and all these years with the Panthers in different situations, the way to beat him is to deke him. Yeah. But there was no time left for him to get in to make that deke. And I was thinking yeah. to myself as he's Well, that, that, you know, that's a good question I wanted to ask you as a guy that's actually played yeah. the position yeah. before. But I was watching that and, like, I felt he was going to stop it because it was so, like, I always think, you know, obviously the goalie, had, it, 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 you know, has the advantage in a breakaway. But when it's quick and it's just reactions for yeah. both players, like I always think that the the goalie has even a bigger advantage. Like when well, it's you know, interesting you say that, yeah, you do, and and the, but you also have a bigger advantage the further out the puck is from you because because you can play and you can come out more and play the angle more. And the, and if the player shifts it, like like you know the math, the famous Matthew shift where he brings his stick in and shoots like that, you know, right? Um, is uh, it 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 doesn't matter as much if he's like if he's like 
15 feet away from you, but if he's like a five feet away from you, that's a big shift, right? Yeah. So, yeah. What, what, and if you look where Rafferowski was when he makes that save, he's about a, two or three feet in front of the crease. Like he, he realizes, and, and that, is the way you, that is the way you defend a breakaway anyway, right? Is you come out and you move back in as the player comes. Like, in, you know, a goalie, you come out and cut the angle so they can't take that early shot, and then you skate back backwards with him as he comes closer. The, the funny, the funny thing is, is that after he made that save on Marshawn, he kicked out the right pad, and the puck, I think, went off the floor to defenseman. It all, it almost came back. It was like, I mean, yeah. yeah so I mean, and I've seen some weird goals, but the goal that Boston tied it on, where basically it was like two. Oh no! Excuse, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was thinking at the other game, uh, the, in in the Colorado uh, uh, Seattle game, where uh, the the goal that made it three to two, it was like a pinball. It went off one guy, it went off another guy, and then it was going five feet wide, and then it, it hits off the defenseman Alexiak and goes into the goal. So it, it, I've never seen it more. The most amazing goal last night, though, Mike, mm. was the first goal that Declare scores in that game. Yes, like, that because because you know. The pass comes from behind the net. Olmark does the right thing by putting his stick out and trying to block the pass coming from behind the net. But he angles and he angles, but he angles his stick instead of having his stick square. If he has a stick square, he just blocks that puck back in the corner. Instead, he angles it up, which means the puck deflects up into the air quickly. This is all happening, bang, bang, boom. For Duclair to have the presence of mind to be able to swat that out of midair mm -hmm. after a deflection that close, it's just like holy cow! Like what kind of eye and eye coordination does this guy have? That was like, that's like. That's the kind of thing that a goalie, if a goalie made a glove save on a deflection that was that close to you, you would be shocked. You know, it's just, it was unbelievable. Well, the, Kev, the interesting thing about Boston right now is that, okay, I almost get the impression that, I mean, I'm sure there was something wrong with Bergeron, obviously. He sat out the first four games. Maybe it was something nagging and they and they just said, okay, we can handle we can handle Florida without Bergeron for a few games and let's just make sure he's 100%. But they've been without Bergeron and Krejci. Yeah. And now, and now, uh, apparently, Krejci is taking the trip down to Florida, and you know, if he's t if he's traveling with the team, I would assume he's going to play in Game Six. It's almost like they said, "Okay, we can beat them without these guys," and now they realize maybe we can't beat them without these guys. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That's what we always say that when these type of situations happen. But I don't think they could play. Um, uh, yeah. You know, when you just based on. We've all watched what uh, Bergeron has played with during mm -hmm. his career, and it's always, yeah. it, you know, for lack of a better word, icky to hear mm -hmm. the kind of uh, injuries yeah. and illnesses he's had. So I, I, I think they really couldn't play. Um, like they weren't just being saying, "Well, we can win without him," I, because you're basically taking your top two centers. What, what team can take their top two centers out right. and still? Look and at have Taylor, Hall, how, have Taylor Hall and MVP suddenly be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. So, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with your assessment, though. I think if he's going down there, they think he's going to play. Now, yeah. you know, things can happen. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I as much as I, I laud uh, the Panthers for, you know, sticking with Boston, I mean, Boston's done nothing to – other than the fact that I think they could use Pasternak to be more like – the past yes. during the regular season. Um, but, you know, like last uh, night, I think he had three shots, but no points. Mm -hmm. He had a bunch of uh, giveaways. Um, so he hasn't been, you know, quite as good as he was in the regular yeah, season. He looks noticeably frustrated, like, past yeah. night, which yeah. I've never really seen a frustrated, maybe because I, only, I watch him mostly playing the Flyers and he scores three to five goals a game, but against the Flyers. Like, he, if you look at the, <laughs> the Flyers and the team, he beats more than anyone else. Yeah. But, but um, I I, to see Krasnick frustrated has been shocking in a lot of ways. I, the one question I have is this. Like, so bringing – obviously, Bergeron's healthy enough to come back, and he's going to play, right, because he's Bergeron. And if he can play, he's going to play. You're not going to say you can't play. But I've been in – I'm reminded of the situation, like, you know, where, like, when Eric Lindros came back in that famous game seven, like, you know, that series against New Jersey where he gets knocked out by Kevin Stevens. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, there was a lot of debate going up to that game because the Flyers were playing pretty well against the Devils. And, you know, obviously Lindros is Lindros, right? He's your best player. But when you bring him in, does the focus shift to the players settle in a little bit because, okay, Bergeron's back. And, you know, I wondered that a little bit last time when I was watching it. There, there was definitely, like, Hall wasn't as great as Hall's been, you know, um, Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't yeah, know. that sounds like the Laidlaw argument that I always get into it with him. Really? 
because well yeah i mean last year you talked about if you remember hebner was out and mm-hmm. you know he started uh, arguing about he explained it that you know he's been on these teams and everybody pulls their suddenly steps up and playing yeah. better then the guy comes back mm-hmm. and they expect him to do it all and so you know, basically i ended up pinning him in the corner saying so what you're saying is if edmund's gone they're a better team without him you know and that yeah. you know obviously that's well, not, let me counter that argument, Kevin, because you're right. Of course, that's not true. But there is a mental aspect to hockey that there there is definitely an all-for-one, one-for-all mentality that goes through teams. Yeah. Well, that you but, can't deny. I'll give you – I'll give you – I'll give you, you, you a, a little bit. Like, will you let up your game – if you're a game ahead in a series, do you let up a little bit? Do you let up a little bit if Bergeron comes back? You know, just well, that little – and that little bit of let up, is that enough? I'll, I'll, give you an, I'll give you an example of this. And, of course, it's Leaf-related. Uh, 2002, the Leafs played Carolina in the Eastern Conference Final. They won the first game. This was a team that was decimated by injuries. Uh, you know, uh, they had lost Sundin. He was out. Darcy Tucker was out. A number of players. So they win game one against Carolina. Game two, they bring back five guys. They bring back Sundin, uh, Tucker, all these guys. They lose three straight with the with the, the players playing at less than one hundred percent. They ended up winning game five, then losing in game six. But this, the the momentum was sort of eliminated the momentum of, the, of that team was sort of eliminated by bringing back all these players and sort of de- you know depending on them to be what matt sundin and dusty tucker normally were and they weren't they were 50 or 60 percent but they said well we got to get those guys back in there and I, I don't know i mean if i'm if i'm boston if Krejci can walk and bergeron can walk they're playing well and, and yeah, yeah you, owe those, you owe it to those guys you can't tell those guys to sit out if they're healthy right yeah well, I, I, you know, I'm going to argue against your argument in this way, and something I learned from Scotty Bowman. Almost everything impacts your team mentally, every little thing, and it's always temporary. So, because of all that, because you're right, you know, it, it, when somebody is gone, everybody plays differently. They have different roles. So, when the person comes back, it's almost like they're kind of trying to readjust again to trying to get back. But, but so many different things. You know, goalie switches affect that. I mean, everything affects that. So because everything does affect it, you might as well, your strategy should always be just get your best players in at all t- times and just worry about the rest as you, you know, go along. So we're not, we're not coming up with some kind of like special gambler thing here that, you know, yeah. guys in late for a while, first runs returning to the lineup, then you yeah. should go against Boston. Like, yeah. Like, and, if, and, if you, and if you end up losing the series and you find out, well, I could have put Bergeron back in or I could have put the Right, right. yeah, I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when, when you think about it, it does make sense because you could be right. Like, yeah. you know, in this particular game with Krejci coming back, right. everybody could be out of whack and they might play 30 minutes like that and finally get it together. But in that 30 minutes, they all fall behind. And, you know, so like coaches recognize all that. Yeah. But on the other hand, like if you didn't have your best guys in and you lose anyway, then you were thinking, well, what if I had my best guys in? So you might as well lose with your best guys. <laughs> right. I don't think there's a solution to this situation. No, there isn't. No. <laughs> I think you're kind of stuck as a coach. You just have to do what you're saying. Yeah, but I think ultimately you what you decide is, as as Scotty used to tell me, is you're gonna go, always go with your best guys. You know, yeah. that's so my the thing best this, direction. The only reason, like, the only reason rings up the first round is listening. Like we know he's played under all kinds of crazy conditions, board flat jackets, all sorts of things, right? Like in his career, he's done all kinds of nuts and things to play. And so if he's not playing, I'm thinking he's really hurt, right? Like there's something he is absolutely hurt. So to go from really being hurt and then two nights later being able to play felt like a little bit like, okay, you know, maybe he's able to play in Bergeron standards, but what if you're up three to one, why not? Hold him out, you know, and and but you know, obvious, you know, they lost anyway. It doesn't matter. But well, well, let's just say this: there were three, there were three cities that were very happy at the results right. of that, that game last night. One was you know Sunrise, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, the other was Tampa, and the other was Toronto because yeah. having Boston have another game where they go down to Florida and having Radko Gudis and Matthew Kachuk beat on them. You know, and wear on them, and have them a little more tired for the next round. Whenever that next round is, then you know that's that that's something that uh, I think is deemed as a positive. It's hard to it's hard to quantify. I can talk to somebody in Florida to quantify how important it is that there's another home playoff game in Florida. Like it's hard to like actually like they are literally living you know penny to penny down there at times. You know, and they're they're spending to the cap, and they their you know their owner wants wants results because they're spending to the cap right so having another playoff game is another couple million dollars you know and it's a big deal yeah. and you know so having having a home that's why home advantage that means something because it's all 
you're guaranteed probably not to get swept. You're guaranteed three home playoff games. When you don't have home advantage, you have to go to game six to get three home playoff games, right? So this is what's yeah. happening. That's a, that's another one of those issues that I have often wondered if it's self-fulfilling. I mean, you know, these are finely tuned professional athletes who are conditioned now 12 months out of the year. And yeah. yet we talk as if, you know, playing a, you know, for some of them playing 14, 15 minutes. And yeah, is it physical? For sure. But this is what they do for a living. And yeah. then it's going to wear them out. And, you know, but we talk about it so much. I wonder if it just... You know, we talk about the mental aspect of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, like they've done some crazy studies about how often players get hit in a game, and it's really not that often. Right. Like, even in playoff games. Right, right. You know, so really the wear and tear on them is more just in terms of, you know, they go hard for 45 seconds for, you know, 18 shifts a game or whatever it is. You know? Right, and I've, I've talked to players who say, yeah, the playoffs are painful, but the adrenaline – easily kicks in for it. Like yeah. It's, there's, a, there's easily enough adrenaline to get you through that. Yeah. But, you know, you need something to talk about. Yeah, when, right. When you're analyzing games. So you talk about things like, you know, schedule. And, I mean, you know, I bring this up all the time. But imagine in any other profession, you know, with, uh, you know, a police officer or a heart surgeon or thing, if you said to them, well, man, you got to go three days in a row. Like, <laughs> right. you're going to be tired and you know, like it's just when you put it in those terms, it just seems silly. I mean, I podcast three days in a row now, Kevin. You know, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, that's got to work. That, that, that's, <laughs> there's a word for that. It's called a miracle. Um, now, okay, I, I have I have a scenario here, and we know that it's not done because Seattle took the lead in that series, and now they're up three games to two going back to Seattle. If they win this series, I, I just looked it up. Vegas swept L.A., Beat San Jose in six, and then beat uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Winnipeg in five to get to the Stanley Cup final. I think Seattle beating Colorado could be a bigger upset than any of those three series. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair, just because they're the defending Stanley Cup champion. Now, always in upsets, you have to have extenuating circumstances, mm-hmm. like the loss of Landeskog, who's not only you know, an important physical presence, a goal scorer, but he's their leader. Right. Like, you know, that, that team is not led by McKinnon. Right. Um, you know, when he like, so I think that's a big absence and, you know, they've changed goalies. So it, it, the chemistry isn't the way it is. And, you know, we know that they, you know, they don't have a cadre anymore. I mean, you know, there's a lot of factors, yeah. and, but saying all that, it's still the defending Stanley cup champion yes. and they were favored. Uh, and you know, the Kraken still, and I mean, I talked about this the other day, but their patchwork is different because their patchwork is guys who have had playoff success before. Right. So, you know, they're not weaving in a bunch of journeymen who suddenly, you know, pull all together, but saying all that, I mean, this is really impressive. Like they're playing hard. And I mean, like last night's game, they bring up a rookie. Who's playing? Making his NHL debut. I've now I've forgotten his name. Ty uh, Ty Cartier from yeah. Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. Yeah, and he ends up uh, scoring in his NHL debut only the in the playoffs. Only the eighth player in, right. in the last ninety-seven years right. to do that. You know, right. and they put him in. A, you know, this is the other thing too. You got to admire about Hagstall. Like he's playing with their best players. Right. Uh, he was a twenty-seven goal scorer down in the AHL. They brought him up. You know, McCann was missing. They plugged him in. McCann's line. Yep. And he scored. It was a beautiful goal. It was an NHL goal. You know. Yeah, and I love when coaches do this when it doesn't when they don't put him on like the third line and move everybody up. You know, I I personally am such a big fan of not screwing with all of your lines because one guy's hurt. You know, <laughs> like that's no. That, I mean, that's what he did. He I, he didn't yeah. want to mess up the chemistry, so he yeah. he just said he's a scorer. You know, we lost the scorer. I'm going to plug the scorer into the scorer's yeah. hole. And we'll see what happens now. And he scored. Yeah, but how many minutes do you think he played him? Did you, anybody you look this up? No, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. I know what it is. I, yeah. I checked I'll, 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 Let me guess. I'll say about eight. That's what he played. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he played, he played, he played eight minutes, which, you know, that, you know, that's, that's a coach being smart. Didn't overtax them. Um, right. Whenever, you know, they, you know, they had lead, you know, you, you got some defensive, uh, people in there and he yeah. didn't have to cover someone he was incapable 
so you know they they did that but you know i i love those those stories i mean yeah. and his yeah. his parents they had to drive to toronto catch a plane that they knew was going to be late for the game right uh, but they went anyway because they were only going to miss part of the first period if everything was on time and we all know how often that happens yeah right, right. exactly <laughs> but but they did it and they saw his goal That's and of course because of the way television is, they had the cameras on him when he scored. They got the reaction. It was yeah. all over social media. But you know, those are that's what playoffs are about. Well, that's what actually like those are the kind of stories that like end up on team DVDs at the end of the season when it seems successful. You know what I mean? It's right. like that's like the kind of thing that ends up like you know the Seattle Kraken's rise of victories this year, or whatever. You know, you're going to see those kind of like you know. The funny thing is that it, it was so symbiotic because Jared McCann played his junior at Sault Ste. Marie and Ty Cartier is from, or it played his junior at Sault Ste. Marie. He was an undrafted free agent. I think he scored the same amount of goals in the AHL that McCann did in the NHL and he scores in McCann's place. Yeah. But, but I, I, I look, okay. McCarr was out of the lineup. So that was definitely a factor. There's something going on with Valerie Nakushkin that we don't know about there's, yeah yeah there's a they said personal reasons and we don't know what exactly that means um but you know Nikushkin is a you know guy who probably is going to get votes for the selkie this year he was arguably and, their mvp last year yeah and 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 makar we know makar is one of the best two yeah. or three defense so they'll get makar back for game six but i mean momentum wise kev i mean it's all in seattle's favor so like somebody said in the chat the game on friday is going to be out of control there yeah no I, but it's you know it's created a, a appealing uh uh oh, yeah. series and um you know there was uh one other aspect to the cartier story too which i really like um they didn't even bring him up because i guess the ahl team was in the area they mm -hmm. were in the playoffs they didn't bring he was an ahl player that morning <laughs> he was right. in the NHL playoffs that night. Wow. You know, so, I mean, you know, that just kind of adds, uh, you know, to that. And, you know, they brought him up, plugged him in. He didn't have time to think about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Bernier, who was a uh, Beniers, who was one of his, uh, uh, who was his center, had never uh, seen him uh, play that season. So, right. You know, he just had to kind of figure it out. Yeah, we never met him until well, but, 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 <laughs> they this had that. This is this is how this is how new he was on NHL.com. Almost every player, like even when they get called up, they have a profile picture on on you know like so it you know yeah. uh, David they have a Connor McDavid picture. They've got like the human cutout. And a question mark. And like, a question mark. <laughs> like in this, like he's the mystery date. Yeah. It's hockey insider. Right? Yeah. That's who it is. You know, again, he's undrafted. He was right. an undrafted free agent. Uh, they signed him in March of last year, and he went out. And he had, uh, as, as Mike pointed out, twenty-seven goals or twenty-eight goals, uh, and had a great season. Uh, won the uh, uh, Dudley Garrett Award as the leading rookie scorer um, in the AHL, um, and did his thing. And you know, now and. You know, the thing about it is, is there's discussion. McCann may be back for six, mm -hmm. so he could be back down in the AHL playoffs. Right. Know, one, <laughs> and done, one and done. One and done. But that's like, a, but that'll be, a, that'll be, it'll be, you know, they got to yeah. bring him in for the parade, right? You know, like that kind of thing. He's going to well, What if he doesn't, uh, I think if you appear, uh, no, oh, no, you'd have no. to be voted in, yeah. So. Yeah, I know, but he, um, I was just going to say, Kyle Dubas must be slipping because this guy scored 45 goals for the Sioux. There's ever everybody who's ever played for the Sioux is on the Maple Leafs except for this guy. He scored 45 goals with the Sioux last year, and they didn't sign him, but uh, but Seattle yeah. did. So, but, yeah, okay. what it just you know, it's a great story. But just getting back to yeah, you know, I think Hackstall has done a really good job yes. of just preparing this team. I mean, I think he looked. And this is always the great argument. Do you uh, coach a team with whatever your style is? Like, you know, Hitchcock coached one way. Yeah. Um, you know, or do you look at the players and coach, you know, that team based on what you got? Yeah. And uh, Hextall, I think, is sort of right in the middle of that. Like, mm -hmm. I think he knew, he understood he had players who had won before, right. uh, therefore knew what to do once they got in the playoffs. 
but he has a certain style as well. And I think he's sort of got a, like a hybrid that seems to have worked. So. The thing about well, Axel, I, I wasn't a huge fan of him in Philly, but the one thing when I first interviewed him, when he first came in, he said something that I think is pertinent now. And that is, you know, I said, you're dealing, you know, you're meeting a lot of players at once here, you know, you're meet, you're, you're going into a situation where, you know, you, this coach, no one really knows you. Like one player is from North, one player went to the University of North Dakota on this team, I think at that point. We talked about him last night, Vanderlei or whatever. Vandervelde. Vandervelde. So, um, and he said, well, you know, as a college coach, that's what we get every year. You know, he's like, I get new, I get new players every year. I've got to figure out how it works every year. That's, that's what we do, you know. Um, and I think that that has benefited. Him as a, him as an expansion coach. Like I think an expansion coach versus a co- college coaches do have that. You know, there's no baggage. A college team just comes in; they're all new for the most part. Maybe a couple guys. You know, the best players leave all the time. <laughs> you know, your best players are gone, so they're they're not going to be coming back for the most part. You know, and you got new guys all the time. Well, you know, there, there is. Uh, we need to go back to the NHL playoffs, but let me just segue just because you talked about college and it made me yeah. think of this because I wanted to talk about this. I just saw that in the college football, there's 2,000 players in the portal. Now, <laughs> my, my question on, of, of that is, is if this starts to happen more in college hockey, what is going to be the impact on that? If we're just see kids, you know, just playing, you know, for three different schools and four yeah. years and, you know, like what, you know, what, what's going to be uh, like, how would this be? And imagine, if we had free, I mean, this is what the hope was that free agency was going to be like. I mean, because this right. is free agency, right? Um, but in the NHL, and instead, everybody kept their players, and we have almost no one. Yeah, it's very controversial well, in college hockey the last couple of years. This whole like the concept where players can leave teams and go to a team so easily, you know, like yeah. that's been very controversial. Yeah. And I know like a lot of people say Quinnick Jack was made up of players, you know, like a couple of their key players came from other places. Well, um, that see that that's that could be the effect. I mean, I, you could say it's going to have the effect of like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, those teams all being like ridiculous superstar teams. But if you could have like smaller teams like Quinnipiac or you know, uh, or Cornell or something like that, the, getting a bunch of players and, and having a chance to win. So, the, I mean, it, I think it's a bit chaotic, but it, it'll be interesting how that unfolds. What happens a lot, though, is, you know, like if you're, if you're a superstar type player in college and you want to be like a first-line player and, you, and you're behind two guys that are just – that are like draft picks or whatever are really good. That's what happens with a lot of these guys. You know, they end up being like, okay, I'm not getting an opportunity here, so I'm going to go someplace else. Well, just just, just one more thing about, about Seattle, Colorado before yeah. we talk about tonight's games. The, the, okay, the interesting dichotomy, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury in 2018, he wasn't Clark Kent. He was Superman. He It was the best goaltending performance I had seen in the playoffs since the Dom, since Dominic Kosick in 99. Yeah. So, you know, he basically carried that team to a Stanley Cup final. For sure. Uh, in this series, the motivation here, a Grubauer, we, we, I think everybody agrees he's an average goaltender at best. He got a big contract from Seattle. He probably was overpaid. But there's a motivation there, Kev, because maybe it was a slight that Colorado decided not to sign him, and he's sticking it to his old team. And I think that's the motivation here, and that's why he played really well last night. Yeah, I mean, he, he has played well, but, you know, I've uh... – you know, I've seen those games, and I've also been reading kind of what they've been talking about. And then what they're talking about is how well Seattle is defending. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I I'm not going to discount the fact that he's been good and that maybe he wants to stick it to his team. I, not at all. But I'm just saying, you know, sometimes it's, it feels like a goalie series, and sometimes it feels like a defensive series. Yeah. This, this feels to. to to me, like a team being hard to play against series. Yeah, this is not. This is definitely not a goalie series. I yeah, mean, yeah. Just, like Seattle has just been hard to play against. They, you can't get through yeah. them. They, they seem to be everywhere. Um, and again, I think it's that group of players that have been in the playoffs who know how to play in the postseason. So, is this a, if they upset? What would be a bigger upset? Seattle upsetting Colorado or Florida upsetting Boston? Florida. Well, I think you got. Oh, yeah, I think you got to say Florida only because Boston won sixty-five games. But right. I, I'm not discounting because I think Mike's right on. Like that, this would be an amazing upset. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that. I, I wonder who. I think that more people probably pick Seattle than pick Florida in the series. I've never, but you know, when you look at it back, I was looking. What's the biggest upset? I kind of look at it that way. Look at who, who were picked. I don't. Not many people pick Seattle at all. 
Um, I no. really one person picked Florida. I heard one person picked Seattle or Anthony picked Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> Anthony looks um, like he's that's a, the only a one genius. That's the, I heard that I, the only person I heard picked Seattle. So yeah, that's um, that's kind and, of crazy. And believe me, that's a stretch to call Anthony a genius. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I never paid attention to him, but a wise old sports writer told me years ago. Nobody will remember you if you take the favorites. So just yeah, that's really just, true. Just easy, even if you don't believe, just pick some upsets. And if you hit on one, everybody think you know what you're talking about. You're a genius. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. You don't get any you don't get any press for picking whoever else picks, that's for yeah. sure. Now we talked enough we about, about Jersey and, yeah. and the Rangers, right? Is that you want to go, Mike? Yeah, no. I was gonna say we talked enough about Toronto Tampa. So yeah, let's, let's talk, talk about Jersey and Rangers because this is a this is a totally crazy, fascinating game to me. Like, I have no clue. If I was to bet on this game, I have no idea how this is gonna go. Because the Rangers dominated in New Jersey. New Jersey seemed to get their composure and got back to the kind of New Jersey that was beating up on the Rangers in the regular season in New York. So I yeah. lean towards New Jersey a little bit in this. Yeah. I mean, I I, the, I don't disagree with you. Like, like the Rangers are the better team. Yeah. And, and, you know, I like New Jersey's talent better. Right. But it doesn't feel ready yet. Yeah. It's a little undercooked. Yeah, um, but I like how they're playing, and it's they they look inspirational. Like they look like they're, fi you know, figuring it out as they go along. And so, like I, I think this is a coin flip. I don't, you know, I don't know, man. Like you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to figure. If I was to pick this series again right now, I would have a really hard time with it. Like I, I just don't have any idea. And yeah, I'm with you. I think the Rangers' experience will win out in the end, but. And Shesterkin is obviously one of the best goalies in the world, but you know, New Jersey has had the Rangers number, which was the fear going into this. I mean, the Buzz Tron picked New Jersey to win the series. Remember that? <laughs> but, but um, yeah, the uh, I I don't know. I I certainly didn't. I picked the Rangers to win the series, and I, I really just well, I, I see the thing is it, it, for Shesterkin to be, and he hasn't played badly in this series, but for Shesterkin to be the difference, your team has to score. And, I mean, they scored in the two games in New Jersey. They scored five goals in each game. But then in games three and game four, they scored a goal. And you can't – unless you're unless you're Dominic Hasek and you can win one nothing, you know, you've know, it, you got to score more. And they, they weren't able to have a lot of success in the, in, in, at MSG. You're getting attacked by Wasp Snake? Is that what's happening? No, oh, they're, they're, making a, they're making a smoothie. Yep. You know, I was going to guess three things. Either, <laughs> either smoothie – or somebody was drilling on someone's tooth, or you had a construction project going in the back room. There is a construction. There is a construction project back there, or the behind the blue tarp. But they said they weren't going to be doing anything for an hour. Apparently, yeah. they lied. But I think it was a smoothie. Yeah. I yeah. spent three yeah. years in my life touring bookstores, playing in a playing in a quiet folk rock band. I should know the sound of an espresso machine when I hear it. I knew it wasn't an espresso machine. Um, so yeah, smoothie. There you go. Yeah. Like, speaking again, just random thoughts here. Uh, uh, you know, I've I've spoken eloquently, I may add, about how everybody woke up on a Tuesday and decided they liked tilapia. Nobody ever heard of tilapia. <laughs> yes. And no one had ever heard of tilapia, and everybody woke up and said, yeah, you know, let's order tilapia when we go to the right, right, right. The same is now true for pomegranates. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I believe that was a Wednesday, maybe a Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but everybody got up and said, you know, let's put pomegranates in every smoothie. Well, no, I'll, 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 I'll go down this road with something else, Kev, because I saw this trend like three, four months ago at Starbucks. Everything was pistachio, pistachio cold brew, pistachio frappuccino, pistachio coffee. Everything was pistachio. It's like, uh, yeah. okay, is pistachio the new pumpkin spice? If this is how I if feel about avocados, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think avocados as a child were considered disgusting fruit. Disgusting. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I was just having a random conversation with someone, <laughs> and in the middle of this conversation, he said, "You know, I don't like avocados." <laughs> I like, it. and I said, "Excuse me." He said, "I was wondering, do you think I'm the only person who doesn't like avocado?" No, I hate, I hate avocado. I hate the texture. It's, oh. it's, it's disgusting. <laughs> do you like guacamole? Like, I hate guacamole. Yeah. I despise it. You know, yeah. I don't like guacamole for the other things that might be in guacamole, but the avocado texture and the greenness of it all doesn't really thrill me. You know, it's like kind of one of these things. Like, okay, well, right. you know Mike better than that. Like, Mike, <laughs> just like sports teams, like with food items, like I've only eaten with Mike, you know, maybe six times, eight times. I don't know. But one thing that's really clear is that either he likes something or he absolutely hates it. Like, <laughs> you should hear him discuss ketchup. <laughs> 
Oh. Like, I, I have never, ever, ever had any feelings about ketchup whatsoever. Like, I'm just totally <laughs> unemotional about it's ketchup. A, it's it's not li not limited to ketchup. It's ketchup. It's mustard. It's relish. It, it's most condiments. I just no. Ketchup is the second most used. Like condiment. there are a lot of people who don't like condiments, Mike, but nobody gets as carried away with it as you. Like, <laughs> I'm a passionate. You, you, you could give a keynote address on why you hate condiments. I mean, you yes. could. Yes, I could. You, you could speak passionately and. When it was done, like everybody would think, you know, they're like snakes. They're evil, you know. So, <laughs> so. He's not evil. Something. I'm just and, the, and, the, and the funny thing they're is, misunderstood. Snakes are misunderstood. Is that my son has a video that says snakes are not evil. Some of us are just jerks, which I think is a perfect way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just wonder. My wife thinks they're misunderstood because when they show up at our house, she goes out and chats with them. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, mean, I do not talk with snakes. Oh, no, no, I can't say that. <laughs> oh, wow, we got to steer this back to the ship. Back yeah, let's get back. Okay, we uh, got to go. Know, again, um, no, but it's, it's, we're pretty good. No, I think this is a, I'm just, this series, I don't know. Like, I, I, my gut tells me that the Devils win tonight, the Rangers win game six, and then who knows? Like my gut feels like this this shifts from that home home series to like now teams win it in our home ice once and but I don't know. It's like a moment it's it you know it's it's crazy because they're playing it's the weirdest series to be a part of, I'm sure, as a player, because you're literally driving to both of the games, right? You're driving to both of the yeah. <laughs> what fourteen miles apart or is it yeah, eight? Fourteen miles apart. So it's like yeah. I mean that the lack of traffic that the metro the lack of travel the metro division has, you know, is definitely an advantage. Um, as time goes on, you know, versus like a Western conference team, you yeah. know, I mean, if the Islanders were to win the next series, whoever wins this series could play two playoff series, half the playoffs without leaving their house. Like, you know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> they'll just play on video games. Cause it's <laughs> just playing. Yeah. I mean, without, I mean, with staying in their own bed for all that time, you know, and it's kind of crazy. Like, I don't know, but I don't know. Again, maybe the devil's doing that thing where they stay in a hotel or the Rangers doing that thing where they stay in a hotel. I don't know. Sometimes he's like, do that in the playoffs anyway. But um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, okay. I predicted the Rangers to win the series. I think the Rangers will still win the series. I'm a little disconcerted the fact that they didn't at least split at home. Um, but they, I think that the thing here again is, I mean, Schmid played well in the two games in at MSG, but he really wasn't tested that much. And that's, I think, the concern of Gerard Gallant is that really his offense. Has been in the in the first couple games. It was mostly the power play, and he's got to sort of break through. That's why he mixed up his top six forwards. So I think he's looking for something to break loose. And you know, I, for for my prediction to be right, it, it they should be breaking loose tonight. But we'll see what happens. I mean, Gallant's kind of playing against his old Vegas team here in some ways. Like this team, that's that's the Devils remind me of. They remind me of like that old because they they play so fast and they play so quickly. And they, when they go north south, they they the Rangers can't keep up, and that that you know it's it's pretty clear that that's the, they shift it from east west to a north south game in games three and four. Um, this is Gallant. Gallant kind of invented this style. Like this is like, I mean not invented, but just like perfected it in Seattle I, in in, Vancouver, in Vegas. Sorry, but yeah. I, um, but I mean, New Jersey is the faster team. And, you know, Ruff has been able to institute a defensive scheme in the past when he was with Buffalo. I just think the Rangers are better. But, I mean, like we've said many times, the better team doesn't always win. So, That's uh, so uh, it's going to be a disaster and a half, though, if the Rangers don't. Yes. Yeah. Let's just throw that out there because this is like this is a definite Rangers going for it type scenario. And if they don't get out of one round. Right, all the assets they spent to get Tarasenko and to get get Kane. Yeah, I mean, and that's all true. But I, I think people understand. I mean, by people, uh, you know, and not that the ownership is not going to be unhappy because they would. Yeah. But I do think there is a greater understanding now and yeah. how easily that can happen. Oh yeah, yeah. For you sure. know, I mean, we just know that you know the matchups are so tight. The Metropolitan, you know, the Rangers, and it happens by the by way of the Devils, Kevin. No, I mean, I, I mean, I do get it. I mean, you're right, but I just think there's a higher degree of understanding about that, and I don't know if there's a, a greater tolerance for it, but they certainly understand how that can happen. There, now, is, no, there is no team the fans would rather not have. No, happen. I mean, you're right. <laughs> it's, now, they've, they've made fun of the Devils. They've mocked the Devils. I've been in, I've been in the arena for Devils-Rangers games. I've been in New Jersey for Devils-Rangers games where the Devils fans just mock the Devils fans. I mean, the Rangers fans just mock Devils fans in their own building. Oh, I've yeah. 
Because there's more of them. Yeah, you know. <laughs> exactly. Usually there is, and it's like it's insane to think that you know if they lose. I mean, there's so much come up and the Devils have going for them here if they can win this game. Um, now the uh, the other game tonight is Vegas Winnipeg, and you know I'll say well Vegas should win this and close out the series because Winnipeg doesn't have probably doesn't have Shifley, definitely doesn't have Morrissey, but. I said that about. I would have said that about Florida, and look what happened. So I can't. You can't say for sure that it's not going to go back to Winnipeg for Game Six. This is a shame. Yeah. This is a shame. I, I think this. The Morrissey loss is just. It's just bad. Plus, I just. I just don't think. You know, of all the teams in the playoffs, I think I, I just have less faith in Winnipeg than any of them. Yeah, I, and you know, I just from watching them this season, they just didn't seem to have it. Whatever. Nobody playing in the playoffs, Kevin played worse for stretches than Winnipeg. They had the worst. They had the worst. <laughs> they had the worst February and March of any playoff team, and only got in because they turned it on in the last two weeks of the regular yeah. season. To yeah. sneak the thing about them was when they were good, they were really good. Yeah, yeah. at the start of the year. Yeah, <laughs> and at the end of the year, they were really good too. So, it, you know, and they, I felt like if they could beat this team, I thought they would have a shot, legitimate shot, because they play Edmonton really tough. I thought they'd have a legitimate shot on Edmonton. Like I really Yeah, did. they got a goalie. You know, they they got a goalie. Right, right. right. But uh yeah, I mean that's that, that's what that's what they need tonight. They need what Bobrovsky did last night. They need they need that tonight. Uh one one final note here just for amusement purposes. Uh Chris Johnston just tweeted out that uh if you want to watch the Leafs, Leafs try and close out the first round series live tonight, the cheapest ticket for game five on StubHub is an obstructed view ticket for $600 Canadian. Wow. Wow. 600 Canadian. That's like, that's like 150 bucks American. Isn't it? <laughs> Just enough money though. Just enough. Do you want do you want to lose viewership in Canada? I'm just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke, Canada. I'm sorry. Start, start making Justin Trudeau <laughs> jokes. Come on. That was a joke, Canada. I'm sorry, not being that. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> but it, it, you know that the the price falls where it will, right? You know, like Kevin, that's what's gonna. That's what it's. Yeah. Worth. No, I mean six hundred. Actually, I I thought you were gonna say a thousand. I really did. I was thinking twelve hundred. I know. I was thinking twelve hundred. Yeah. Um, but you know. You know, it is what it is. If you if you want to go see the game, and um, you know, there have been times when I would have paid uh, six hundred or more to go to a game. Well, um, six hundred for a first round elimination game is a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, but, that, but, that is true. But but I mean, act, but act, the, the the reason is is because yeah. they think in about four days there'll be another elimination game. Yes, That's you got to hold back money on that one for that exactly. <laughs> yeah, that one will be higher, but or will it be? See now, games. That's interesting thought on that game seven. Will prices go up or down, Mike? Because at that point, I don't know. At that point, if you've lost game five and six, do you really want to be winning? No, I'm, I'm yeah, you're, they're, they're going through the roof. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, that, that that's almost a game I would not even want to watch if I was Leafs fan. Well, the game. Here's, the, here, here's the interesting thing, Kev. I just saw uh, on like one of the TV screens in the in the media room, it, the New York Knicks won a playoff series for the first time in I think a decade. And there were people that went out in Times Square or someplace in New York with the Nick flags and everybody was celebrating. And I'm wondering if the Leafs actually win tonight, whether there's going to be that kind of reaction in Toronto because it's just been so much just the angst and frustration. It might be in Maple Leaf Square, but I don't know about like people oh, we'll dance, dan dancing down the streets and young on Young Street. Yeah, I, I don't know. If, if, our, if our readers are any <laughs> it will be everywhere. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I had a friend who was at who went, went to a bar the other night for Game Four in Toronto. Just like you know, the game was not in Toronto; they were in a bar in Toronto. And she yeah. said, she said that it was nuts, that it was absolutely insanity, um, and it was nowhere near the arena. It was like way down. Yeah, I, I do understand that. You know, if the Lions ever win a playoff game, <laughs> that's that true. People, There's people will, people will be excited. <laughs> They might, Kev, they might hold a parade. They might Kev, hold a parade if they want to. Kev, I, I know two reporters, one of them who's been on our show, Joe Yurden, who are big Lions fans, who are very enthusiastic about the fact that the Lions have two first-round picks. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's, and, and there are rumors about them going out and trading for, like, Trey Lance or trading for a quarterback. And, you know, like, I don't know if that's true because they have golf. The, the difference here, Mike, yeah. is the difference of a, of a Toronto, Torontonian and a Michiganian. Because I know a Michigan person is eternally optimistic. We have we the panel here is exactly we have the perfect example right here in front of us. Kevin is the optimist all the time, 
thinks that, you know this could this is could be Detroit Jerry. No problem, no question about it. Not, not worrying about the history, not worrying about the past. This is it. They got it down. Mike, there. Mike Toronto is dominating, or, or perhaps you know winning winning games they never should have won before. Act, and you're like they're still going to lose. Consider <laughs> consider consider the where I where I've grown up. Four straight Super Bowls losses, home run throwback, wide right, four-one uh, in the third period, game six, Gretzky high sticking Gilmore. I, I could give me a dollar for every miserable loss that my teams have had in my entire friggin' life. Are you kidding me? What does that create, Mike? A Yankees fan. Well, I am a Yankees fan, but but they haven't made the World Series since two thousand nine. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but you saw you saw winning with the Yankees. You saw, you saw yeah. the Yankees winning. Not, not enough. Not enough. Not enough to make that. the Yankees win again. If the you know if they never seen salary cap things in baseball. Um, all right, that's all the time we have. I think I think we're good. Mike, enjoy your night. Um, Kevin, you as well. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will all be back here again. Well, some of us will be back tomorrow. I think. <laughs> I don't know. Check out tomorrow. Just, we'll just end the 